Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Part two, where we started answering the question, what is a pastor? And we look back in the Old Testament where it was first mentioned, and we're going to start there this morning. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter number three, Jeremiah chapter number three, with the new church plant, I don't know, I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah, I mean, you know, because you're in a new area and people have expectations and you're you're dealing with God's Word and you don't want to mess that up. And then you're dealing with people's lives. You don't want to mess that up. And then you're dealing with your family and you don't want to mess them up. And so you get to a point where you're just like, uh, maybe it's me or maybe it, it isn't me. Maybe I should be thinking that way. But you, you want to do things right. You want to do things by the Bible. So my heart is that I really honestly want to go by the Bible. <laughs> I don't have all the answers, but I know one thing for sure, that we have a book given to us by our God that does have all the answers, and if we can just rally around that, I might not get on your nerves so much, <laughs> and you might not get on my nerves so much, because people, you, you know if you've been married any length of time that you tend to fight more with the ones you love the most. <laughs> and maybe fight isn't the right word, but you tend to find those disagreements with the people that you're closest to and the people that you spend the most time with. So let's look in Jeremiah chapter number three. Let's see if we can make some headway in verse number 14. Um, Jeremiah 3 verse 14, the Bible says, Turn, O backsliding Children, saith the Lord. So we're dealing with prophetic verses here. This is when Israel will be converted. But this right now here is, this is backsliding Israel. We're going to make some application practically for today though. Because we find the word pastor mentioned most of the time in the Old Testament and in the book of Jeremiah. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city, two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So I think we can take, even though this is a prophetic passage, even though this is dealing with Israel, we can take this and make some practical application for us this morning, which we're going to do. Number one is that God wants pastors that are according to his heart. You're not after God's heart. Um, it's going to go bad. And a pastor is to feed, feed the flock. The flock is God's flock and with knowledge and understanding. So that means he's going to have to study the Bible. We already looked and preached on that verse before. And these are simple things, but I think worth going over. And then he's going to have to gain some understanding. And these things are only wrought by seeking God in prayer, 
and only wrought by searching God's word, which is where we find truth. That's why he says, thy word is truth. Now, I don't know about the ladies, the fellas, I know we all think alike. We start getting into something, and we've got ideas, and we've got tools, and we've got, we're going to grab the bull by the horns, and we're going to tackle this thing, we're going to get this job done. Right? Great, <laughs> we need to do that. We tend to move away from the Lord, though, in spiritual matters with that mindset. So, fellows, we all need to we all need to be aware of that as a weakness in our lives. And when we, when we recognize our weaknesses, then we can start to allow the Lord to strengthen us. Now, I'm not sure if ladies think exactly like that, but I'm sure there's an application that you have already made in your head. Also, how is a pastor or a teacher going to have knowledge and have understanding and be able to feed God's flock and be after God's own heart if he's not yet felt the guilt of his own sin? So whoever's pastoring, who's ever teaching, that's a big deal. If you don't see yourself as an unworthy person who has, and the only worth he has comes from Christ, it's really, really hard to not preach your message or your idea or your philosophy or your, it's hard. Constantly being after God's heart means constantly dying to self and recognizing, okay, great, I mean, praise God, we're set free. Praise God, we have freedom in Christ. Praise God, there's no condemnation in us at all. But we can't forget where we came from. We don't go back there. <laughs> That's our old life. Okay? We're not going back there. We're not living that life. We're not fixating ourselves on our past thoughts, our past problems, all, all that stuff. We march forward. We're Christian soldiers. But we can't forget the same God who saved us, saved the, God, saved the guy or the gal that was 5, 10, 15, 20 times worse a sinner than us. We can really do that. So we need to be careful. Pastors need to be careful. Teachers need to be careful. I trust everyone in this room has been saved for some length of time and has been studying the Bible for some length of time. I pretty much can figure that out by interacting with you all. But we can't have this nose-thumbing th uh, or nose-turning-up attitude about people that come in that don't know hardly nothing. You can't forget the guilt you were under and the condemnation you were under and the junk you did and the junk I did that we don't need to talk about anymore. That's done. That's over with. That's our old life. And we don't dwell on that, but we can't forget where we came from because there's going to be people that come in that have no idea about anything in the Bible. And the first time they see John 3.16 and they show it to you, you can't be thinking, you didn't know that? What are you <laughs> We didn't know that at one point. That was a big deal to us. Be after God's heart. 
How can you be after God's heart and love the way God wants to love if you've not experienced how precious the Savior's love is? God is love, for God so loved the world. He's a loving God. And how is a pastor or teacher going to compel others to think about heavenly things, to get an eternal perspective in the lens when his camera lens is only earthly things? There has to be that understanding, that knowledge, and that seeking after God's heart. What's the most important thing? The eternal perspective or the temporal perspective? The eternal perspective. Those are easy questions to answer and they're easy to preach on, but they're a bit harder to live day by day. Jeremiah chapter 17. Verse number 17. Uh, verse number 14, sorry. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. That's loaded. Ask God to heal you. Ask God to save you. He will, but let's not forget. Have you been saved, been born again? Amen. Praise the Lord. Have God taken away certain desires that you had before and replace them with spiritual desires, praise the Lord. But do we? But do we? The end of that verse is, for thou art my praise. Is God your praise? Is God my praise? We so take for granted the things that we get accustomed to and used to. It's kind of like being married. <laughs> No guy that I know treats his wife the way that he treated her before they got married and they were courting and they did all these fun stuff. And, you know, everything was flowers and rainbows and cotton candy and all that. Now, maybe there's some superhero fellas out there that do that. But I'd suspect that probably about all of us put just a bit more effort in on the chase that we do. And now what do we do? We take for granted the cooking, we take for granted the cleaning, we take for granted the kid raising, we take for granted the, I put up with you on this and that. And I'll just stop there and beat up on the, on the fellows and then the ladies, you, you make your own application this morning. But we all do it. We all do it. We forget. And we do the same thing with God. He saved us. We have a home in heaven. We're going to go be with the Lord. And we so forget to praise his name. Well, how do I do that? Oh my, and then just fill in another G word. Well, I don't say it, I just think it. Well, it's not praising his name. It's not using it reverently all the time. You don't have to use it as a cuss word like the heathen. If you and I even mention it or think of it irreverently, we're not praising his name. That's just one example. Then the Bible goes on to say, Behold, they say unto me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. You can walk into a lot of churches this morning, and a lot of us could say that. Where's God's word? <laughs> That's a great idea. I mean, I'm sure you can build a big program with that, but what about God's word? For as for me, look at this. I have not hastened from being a pastor to follow thee. Neither have I desired the woeful day thou knowest 
that which came out of my lips was right before thee. Be not a terror unto me. Thou art my hope in the day of evil. There are difficulties as a pastor. It's not an easy thing to do. And I've watched my pastor. When I was in Bible school for five years, it was great because you just didn't get book knowledge. You got to kind of shadow what was going on in a, in a, in a local church. And there's problems. People bring problems and people bring trouble. Not everybody. But the 80-20 rule applies or the 90-10 rule applies. And it don't matter if you're doing landscaping, construction, plumbing and electric. I mean, it does not matter. You're going to have 80 to 90% of the people just having a joy of a time. Just being a blessing. And then you're going to get a percentage that it just feels like it wears you out. And it isn't really that big of a percentage, but it feels like it is. It's difficult. It's difficult. Why? Because you want to follow the Lord. That's what it says. Being a pastor, we're taking these principles to follow thee, follow God. You have to take it seriously. You have to make sure it's a priority. Too many men, I'm sure you've known. I've heard stories of some and some that I've personally known that you know, crash and burn. Oh, they're high on the roller coaster, they crash. Why? You rely on your own skill, you rely on your own judgment, you rely on your own ability. I will grant, I will concede to the fact that that will work short time, short term. But you're eventually going to crash. I'm eventually going to crash. So how do you balance that out? God's given us certain natural physical gifts he's given us after we got saved we all got spiritual gift or gifts how do we discern that the only answer i have is seek god in prayer go to god's word fellowship around his people and that will help us all to not lose sight of who god is compared to who we are but we rely on our own ability you're going to crash and burn some pastors take on an attitude. They've got the tough guy attitude. They've got the man of God syndrome. And neither, none of us are kings of Israel, so we're not. But that's not the attitude to have. And that's not the attitude that's going to sustain any type of long-term biblical ministry. Some avoid things that would offend others. But not Jeremiah. In Jeremiah's day... He was concerned about the well-being of God's people. So whoever's teaching out of the pulpit, whatever's going on at Pilgrim Baptist, our hearts should be about what is the best thing for this person? What is the best thing for this couple, for this family, for our church, for the community, spiritually, when we go out to witness the well-being? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, let's say we do an outreach and our heart... Two guys from our church can talk to the same person and give them God's truth with two different attitudes. One attitude is, I'm just going to show them how much Bible I know. I'm just going to show him that he's going to hell. And yeah, that's right. And he's giving them Bible. And it's Bible verses we'd say amen to. 
and he rightly divided it. It all appeared great. What was off? The heart. The heart was off. And another fella, he's telling him about hell, but he got a tear in his heart. He's telling him about, look, I'm concerned for you and where you're going to end up after you die. And he genuinely cares about this person and he's giving him the same Bible verse. He's not leaving out hell. He's not leaving out God's wrath. He's not leaving out the judgment of God that's upon him. He's not leaving out any of that. What's different? The attitude is different. The way that you approach it. We need to be concerned with the well-being of God's people. Uh, Neither have I desired the woeful day. Thou knowest, if you want to please men, we won't please God. And, 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 and Jeremiah says in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, thou knowest, thou knowest. You know what he has in view? Nothing but God's view. He's not trying to please people. And he didn't get any results. He wanted to please God. And, well, I serve God and it's, I'm not getting results. And, 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 and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a modern day Jeremiah. Yeah, pra- praise the Lord. You know what the problem is? You know what the difference is? Jeremiah was content with that. You know what happens to you and I? We aren't content with the lot God gave us. We feel this level of discontentment that we didn't get a result. And we weren't treated the way that we should be treated. We're not promised to be treated well by this world. That shouldn't be our expectation. And Jeremiah had no interest in securing the approval of the people. My, I don't want people coming in. I don't want to, I don't want to offend them by my rude manners. But I can't leave stuff out of the Bible. I've got to preach the Bible. And if that offends them, that's where the offense should fall. But it shouldn't fall on the pastor just being rude. And then spiritualizing it because he's got a King James Bible under his. You see how we can take something and just make it something that it's not? Should God's word offend people? Yes. Should we seek God's approval? Yes. Should we use that as a pass to be rude to people and that rudeness is an offense? No, we shouldn't. There's a balance. Jeremiah was content to have nothing in view but serving God. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. We're not going to get too deep into some of this. When we go through 1 Timothy verse by verse, we'll get into it more deeper. But Ephesians chapter 4. God wants a pastor to exercise his gift. And I want you to key in on the word gift this morning, because notice I didn't say office. That'll be more important for some later messages, but the Bible never calls pastoring an office. The Bible always mentions it, mentions it as a gift. A gift is something that is given by God that can be developed. An office is an earned position 
that you have to qualify for. Ephesians chapter 4, let's read through it. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now watch. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue, the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Last verse we'll read. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplier, according to effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. What does it say? According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Then it says, gave gifts unto men. And then it says in verse 11, and he gave all apostles and all prophets and all, it doesn't say all, does it? It says he gave some. I have a gift. Maybe you have the same gift. You have a gift. Maybe I don't have that gift. Maybe you have a few gifts that I don't have. Maybe I have a few gifts that you don't have. Maybe we all share some common gifts. We don't all receive the same spiritual gifts from God, but we all receive spiritual gifts from God. What, is it, what should it be used for? The perfecting of the saints. If you have the gift of pastoring and teaching, you should use that to edify the saints. I have to be careful when I say things because you don't want to open up a can that you can't close especially in a short period of time. And you can't preach everything in one message. But if you have a spiritual gift, can you somehow be disqualified by doing something where you don't have that gift? I don't believe that you can because I can't find it in the Bible. You were given a gift. If someone has the gift of pastoring and teaching, and they go do something stupid like, run around with another woman and then they leave town 
and they open up a church, because they got caught doing something dumb, does that mean they lost their gift? It doesn't. Which is why they can go to another town and get people because they still have that spiritual gift. Now, is that a right thing to do? Of course it is. But it happens all the time in Christendom. But you don't lose your spiritual gift. God, this is why it is so important we seek after God because we want to be able to use the gifts that God gave us for the edifying of the saints. He gave gifts unto men. Okay, so it's for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. We should all be jointly fit together. You know what else this tells me? No gift should be exalted over another gift. It's the same Christ. It's the same Lord. It's the same body. Does the pastor of the church kind of by default have the more vocal voice? Yes. But does that mean that he's any more important to the body than any other member that may even have the same gift that the pastor has? He shouldn't be more highly exalted at all. His gift is not any more more important than anybody else's spiritual gift. What do we got to do? We got to find out what our spiritual gifts are. We got to get busy for the work of the Lord, for the work of the ministry, to edify a saint. Anybody know? I'm sure everybody knows what it means to edify. Build up. Can we just find somebody to encourage and build up? All right. A couple of practical points. God wants a pastor who can teach and who can care. And you notice in verse uh, verse 11, he says, and some pastors and teachers, it's combined. It seems to me, when I look at this, it seems to be combined into almost one gift, pastoring and teaching. When you look at when it says some apostles, it has the semicolon, prophet, semicolon, evangelist, semicolon, and then it gets to pastors and teachers and it puts the semicolon. So the punctuation seems to group it together. When I look at that and I just take the Bible as it stands, he's, it, it looks to me like you've got to be able to pastor, which is to care. And you've got to be able to teach, which is to be able to give people something to understand and, and, and teach them God's word. Some people can teach but they don't care. <laughs> does he have the gift of teaching? He does. Does he have the gift of pastoring and teaching? He doesn't. <laughs> Some people really care. But you have no idea what they're talking about when they try to teach. Seems to be something he wants grouped together. Care for the people that you're teaching. I've known some, and I'm sure you've known some, throughout the years of going to church and and visiting different churches, and then hearing stories about people that go to church, where the pastor is this unapproachable uh, guru god that nobody can touch, no one can get close to, no one can sit down and have a conversation with, or a cup of coffee with. What is that? It seems to me a guy that just don't care. What are you doing, man? Why well, just go go get an office, a desk job, or something? Where you don't have to deal with people. 
We've got to be able to care about people. Now, should we all do that? We certainly should. More importantly, we're dealing with this gift. We've got to be able to care and teach, teach and care. People say that they're called to preach, and there's nursing homes where you can go and preach if you're called to preach. There's public uh, sidewalks where you can stand on and preach. There's jails that people are incarcerated. You can go to and preach. And all these things are fine, and all these things are good. You've got to be able to pastor, too. You have to be able to care about people, spend time with people, not just preach. It isn't just preaching. It's more than that. It's to provide nourishment. So how do we care for people? Provide nourishment. What's the only nourishment that someone really does need is God's Word, spiritually speaking. Don't go on a 40-day fast and say the pastor said we only need God's Word. Spiritually speaking, we only need God's Word. Now, does anybody have or has had any type of problem in their life that doesn't involve a physical thing like your car breaking down or the roof needing repair or a leaky faucet. We've all had problems that don't deal with those things, right? Those spiritual problems, all we need is God's Word. We don't need a psychologist to take us back 10 years to dig up all our problems and say, well, this is why. No, it's not. You dummy. This is why. <laughs> now, if you have a leaky faucet, you can go to God's Word all you want. It's not going to stop leaking. You have to call up Nathan. He'll come out and patch it up for you. All right, here's what we need to do to be able to care for people. we got to give them some freedom and we got to give them some independence. I hate, that's a strong word, Strongly dislike this concept of micromanaging. And if you've ever been part of a company or you've ever been part of a, 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 a big organization and you've been under micromanagement, you've got to get permission to sharpen your pencils. <laughs> what is that? Why do you have to get permission from the pastor to go to the bathroom and to, can I go out and pass a track out? What are you asking me? Go ahead. I mean, what, what is this idea of the pastor has to micromanage everybody? You're just going to just wear people out. You're going to wear yourself out doing it. Give people some freedom. Are we free in Christ? Give people some independence. Let them figure some stuff out. Should we have rules? Certainly. The Bible has commands and all that. So I'm not a, an anarchist where there's no rules. Can we learn to live in the liberty of Christ and not feel this desire to have to micromanage every single thing? It would work for our homes too. We shouldn't have to micromanage everything. Give people room to grow. How else can we care? We give people time to learn, to grow, to fail, to improve, to change, but also you can have a pastor's heart by giving people space. We all need space. There was a meme that I saw. And it said something like, when you homeschool your kids and dad comes home from work. And it was a picture of 
a dad getting out of the car. And then the mom in this heated run, like down the road, <laughs> which was, she needs a break. <laughs> She's been schooling four of them, five of them all day, and it's natural and it's normal to give people a break. You know, sometimes when people come to church, they just need some space. So how'd your week go? What did you do on can you back off? <laughs> People need space. And we need to be able to be respectful of that. We don't want to be non-interested or just completely distant, but they need space. The opposite of extreme is this cold approach. It drives a wedge. That's not pastoring and caring for you know, you get a preacher that can preach God's word. He's got that gift. He can care for the people. But he goes home and he really doesn't care about his family. He really doesn't care about his wife. He really doesn't care about those that are in his immediate household. That's going to drive a wedge. That coldness, that cold attitude, it drives a wedge in relationships. We have to be for real. We can't be filled with the hypocritical attitude of, well, I'll do it for church people. I'll do it at church. I'll do it publicly. Our own home matters first. All right. Let's see. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to wrap up. Try to wrap up quick here. Ephesians 2. The Bible says, verse number 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Do you earn that? If pastoring is a gift, do you earn that? Or is it a gift given to you by God after you get saved that you can obviously spend time honing and getting better at? Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ in a good work, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember, ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. And he goes on. But salvation, by grace, through faith, it is the gift of God. We see that same word used for pastors and teachers. It's a gift given by God. You can misuse the gift, or you can use it for God's glory. If you have that gift, use it for God's glory. Whatever spiritual gift you have, given you by God, can you pray about using it for God's glory? I think it's the way to go. Romans 12. Two more passages of Scripture. All right, for I say, verse number 3. We'll read down through verse 9. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We should all be in this together. Verse 6, having then gifts differing, we all have different gifts. According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or we teach it on teaching, 
For he that exhorteth on exhort, exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. God's giving us the gift and he's given us the attitude behind it. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. We'll stop right there even though the sentence doesn't stop right there. High call. What does it say? Let us prophesy. Let us wait on our ministry. Let, let him do it with simplicity. Let love. You know what all that is, is showing us? Allow people to serve God. Don't stifle it. Don't stunt their growth. Don't try to find ways to not promote it. Let. Allow people to use their spiritual gifts. Last verse and I am done. John chapter number 10. And we'll finish with this. John chapter number 10. Okay, verse number 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth. That's someone who serves only for money. You don't want a man like that because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the father knoweth me, even so know I the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh from no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. You know what we all are? We are all sheep. You know who we all should be following? The good shepherd. All sheep have a gift that's necessary. You know what? For all the other sheep. We're here for each other's well-being. No one person is more important than any other person. Even though there's a pastor of a church, he is still a sheep. <coughs> he never stops becoming a sheep. He's the same as you. He's the same as me. Get my lines right. This is vertical. This is horizontal. We tend to look like this at each other and compare it this way. Oh, the pastor this, the pastor that. But God sees it this way, the verticals. We should all be looking up to him because we're all sheep of his pasture, of his pasture. We don't want to be a church where one gift is exalted more highly than another gift. We're all members of one body. So we want to do our best. I want to do my best. I want to do my best to not let anybody down. You want to do your best to not let the Lord down. I don't want to let the Lord down. And if we can all think on this, the vertical line, 
I think we could do a much better job at it and looking up like this one. All right, let's bow in prayer. Thank you, Lord. We are grateful for the salvation you've given us. Lord, help us to value the spiritual gifts that you've given us. Help us to be a church that loves your word and uses, not misuses, the gifts that you've given us. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.